Have you ever gone to school and realised that you're actually living in a 1930s noir fantasy where you were the hero and everybody else around you was playing your fancy games? Me too. Welcome to the Knives Out bonus episode on Ryan Johnson's first movie, Brick. My name's Oliver Brady. Um, I'm not grumpy and angry because it's 90 degrees in my country, which is never 90 degrees today. It might sound like I am all of those things and you might be able to hear the sweat dripping from me, but trust me, that's actually just the Diet Coke beside me here. Um, In fact, it's not even Diet Coke, it's real fat Coke, which is a real departure for me. My guests today are Megan Griffin. Megan, how are you? I am not an angry son, so I am well. Good. Uh, Amber Stewart, how are you? Oh, I am living the dream in central air. This is the first time I've met Amber and I instantly dislike her. Uh, <laughs> and uh, my former podcast uh, co-host, Sarah Ebtecker. Sarah, how are you? I also am here with a dear friend and guest, Central Air Conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Let's talk about this movie, Brick. So let's just go back to the heady days of 2005 when this movie came out in the cinema I was 24 years old I had just finished getting my did I? yeah I think I got my doctorate that year and I was living in a nice cool country um, not <laughs> melting uh, and it was lovely and I went to see this movie in the cinema and I thought at the time that it was very good uh, Megan what was your first experience with the movie Brick? So last night, I curled up in my bed and turned on Amazon and went, yes, I would like to rent Brick. Thank you. And then I had to get a sweater because it was a little bit chilly <laughs> under my fan, under my central <laughs> hair. And then I thought about the fact that like, man, I probably should kick up the AC and like not have it so low if I'm having to put on a sweater. All of that's actually true. <laughs> I just wouldn't have shared it otherwise. <laughs> Megan, where were you in 2005? 2005, I was a senior in high school, and probably six months after this movie started, I got a job at the movie theater, so, yeah. Mm, Wow. Yeah. Uh, Amber, where were you in 2005? See, 2005, I was still suffering in the heat because I was a college sophomore, and I went to Tulane in New Mm. Orleans, so depending upon... When in 2005 we're talking about, I was either, well, I was either a freshman or a sophomore, but I was either uh, fleeing from Hurricane Katrina. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Luckily, I did not, that's a bit of a joke because I didn't actually make it back to Louisiana before the hurricane hit, but uh, that was a whole thing. <laughs> but uh, I Definitely did not know about this movie then, and I didn't know who Ryan Johnson was, obviously, since this was his first major film. But yeah, still kicking it in the southern United States, just loving that heat and humidity. <laughs> so when you say New Orleans, you mean Nolans. Oh boy. Now, see, now I don't like you, Ollie. <laughs> we have a rivalry here today. Enemies for life. Is, is, that not how, is that not how people pronounce it? Oh no, that's how like people jokingly will say it. But like someone from New Orleans might say like New Orleans, where they say the whole word, they just sort of swallow it back <laughs> as they're saying it but no one says like narlins that's 
I that's not I fun. saw Scott Bakula on an episode of NCS New Orleans pronounce it somewhere like that. And that's the only thing I have in my head is that it's New Orleans. Scott Bakula. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Quantum Leap. I love Quantum Leap. Uh, Sarah, <laughs> what were you doing in 2005? And why was it watching Brick in the cinema? I was a freshman in college, and I was a horribly pretentious freshman in college, and only was very <laughs> into art house indie kind of movies. So I took the train from my college campus, which is in the suburbs of Philadelphia, into Philadelphia proper to the uh, charming little indie theater and went to see this movie in the cinema. I'm shocked to find out that Philadelphia has both suburbs. And universities. Philadelphia has so um, many universities. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, what university? I mean, so there? in Philadelphia proper, there is uh, UPenn, Drexel. Uh, there are more in Philadelphia. Like, there's like four or five in Philadelphia. Villanova's outside. Uh, Swarthmore, where I went, is outside Philadelphia. Haverford, Bryn Mawr, also outside Philadelphia. There's a lot. Oh, I have a friend who went to Swarthmore, but never really thought about where it was. I just thought <laughs> Pennsylvania, and that co- that kind of covered it. Yeah, it's me. like 30 that's minutes right. outside Philadelphia, basically. So, And there is okay. a train station that's literally like on the border of campus, like in the border between campus and what passes for that for a town. And so you, you <laughs> take the train from there into Philadelphia if you want to do something which is not being on campus or going to one of the two restaurants in the town of Swarthmore, which also, fun fact, is a dry town, or at least was at the time. I think it might oh, be. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we had very different college experiences. <laughs> I mean, I drank a lot on campus. It was just you didn't, like, uh, go into town for that. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. It was more like you left town and tried to go into campus to avoid all the drunks is mm. how mine went. But that didn't really work because they just followed you into campus <laughs> because they were your fellow students. I Obviously, I'm older than you guys. Uh, so I've finished all of my education type stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You two are in first year in uh, college. And Megan, you were in high school in 2005. Yes. Can you tell me about how the high school experience you went through <laughs> was exactly the same as the high school experience as depicted okay. in the movie Brick. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. I, I got to admit one of my ex-boyfriends had to try to pull me out of this like gangs of like <laughs> drug dealers that were fighting over a brick. And how long did it take me to realize it meant a brick of cocaine? Most most of my <laughs> junior year and then it could have been one of three guys babies i don't know i don't know it was a pretty crowded field there oh yeah you know you oh know? my god what a line oh, <laughs> it was a crowded field there at the end oh cara i love you um so the reason we brought up what we were doing and our education at the time and not just me to humble brag but um <coughs> The movie is set in an American high school, and our main character, Brendan, played by uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I was going to say played by a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but I don't even think he's that young in 2005. No. He's certainly older than high school. Oh, 100%. I think the only kids in that movie that were actually high school age were all the extras. 
because yeah. they were like the ones who are actually attending that school. Yeah. Oh, you guys could see extras? <laughs> because what I saw was a completely empty school it's building. Where were the extras? And our main characters. When I say extras, I mean there would be like five people like in the one of the parking lot scenes. You know, the one of the the jock, Brendan. Is that no, I'm thinking of something else. Brandon? What a, no. Brad. Brad? Brad Brabish. It was another, yeah. It I'm was Brad Bramish. Brabish. Brad Bramish. Damn what I'm saying is put Brad Bramish in, coach. Yeah, there we go. Old BB was bragging in the parking lot, and there were like three children around him sort of staring <laughs> blankly. And I was like, I can't tell if they like him or, and then I saw that they were like actual high schoolers. I'm like, okay, yeah, never mind. That's the level of acting I would expect. From like <laughs> high schoolers who just yeah. happen to be involved in this film, they're like, "What's happening?" Ollie, did you say you were twenty four years old at the time that you that this film came out? In two thousand five, I was twenty four years old. Yeah. So was Joseph Gordon Levitt. <gasps> Myself and Joseph Gordon Levitt are the same age. Yes. What? His we're both is the day age and attractiveness twins. <laughs> oh my god! Um, can I do a Joseph Gordon Levitt? Impression? I'd be angry. Rollins. <laughs> so no, no, I can't. He's a cute guy, but he's always had that like cute next door boy next door look. But I finished this movie, and my friend Joe was like, "What'd you think?" And I was like, "I don't know, but I can tell you, he was hot." Like, <laughs> especially towards the end, I'm like, "Man, I really like when they're like, uh, so, like there was a term made for it, like." You get all dressed up when you're a woman. You get all like grunged down when you're a man, and that's how you do your hotness. Apparently, this is proof. Mm. Yeah, I'd say two thousand was it two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah, he had the sort of shaggy hair. He mm-hmm. was like always kind of hunched over into himself. Was wearing loafers for some goddamn reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was attractive. That was an attractive look. <laughs> and it's interesting because like, he's very clean cut in a lot of other things, and here he's very yes. just oh, yeah. grimy. Mm-hmm. Yes. I I honestly don't see it. Like, don't get me wrong. Just Gordon Levitt is a very attractive man. Just the character of is it Brendan in this is yes, he's Brendan. So unappealing to me. Oh, I agree. Oh, yeah, he's but awful. at one point, I was just like, yeah, okay, I wouldn't kick you out of bed. <laughs> I'm not sure his haircut <laughs> is doing it for me personally. Oh no, like individually, all these parts are very bad. But I think it was the fact that he started out very kind of clean cut and then got very scuffed up towards yes. the end. Mm. That was that part was kind of attractive. Not yes. so much the character himself, but like absolutely not. I, I guess the griminess. I'm not representing this well. I don't normally look for like beat up, scuffy men and be like, "Yes, you, that one, perfect." Yeah, I probably wouldn't do that. Like that, <laughs> no. that would be a big red flag. Yeah, in real life, you'd be like, "Time to call the police." There's a very beat up <laughs> child coming towards me. And I'd very much be like, "It's time for you to go to the hospital." Like that was actually my attitude for like three quarters of this movie. Was like, "Go to yes. a hospital." Yes, I I do appreciate that. Like. There were repercussions of him getting kicked constantly. Yes. Like spitting up blood. He's definitely like cradling a broken rib at least. That is very true. Yeah, it does seem like a lot of movies someone will get hit really badly and then they'll just get up and keep moving. I think a couple of more recent action movies like John Wicks, (laughs) the many John Wicks, uh, Nobody with Bob Odenkirk, both of those showed like consequences to the main character mm. of being in these severe fights and yeah i think brick brick beat them to it 
<laughs> well, so the reason that Brennan was getting into fights is because the movie starts with him standing in a drain looking at a dead body. And uh, rather than do what I would do in this situation, I'm not saying I've been in this situation, but I mean, Ireland is famous for two things, <laughs> not being hot and dead bodies in ditches. But he's in this drain. Um, winky, winky. But he's in this drain. And rather than just go to the cops or, you know, check the pulse of the dead body he just kind of stares at it in a really creepy way and then he goes to talk to somebody else to find out where the girl had been and then we get a little flashback of how she rang him and we get the sense that there was a past relationship between them at some stage and she seems very scared and then he you know wants to go and find out what's happening so we start out with a blonde dead lady in uh, a drainage tunnel and then we cut back a couple of days later to find out how we got to that point. So again, it's a movie that's set in a contemporary high school or 2005 high school, but it's got these film noir trappings. How did you guys find that kind of flashback narrative and how did it work? Uh, I think for me, it worked It worked well enough. Uh, the overall, the sort of trappings of the film noir kind of aggravate me. There's two things that I don't really care for both in my movies and in general life. And that is people talking in like an old timey patter mm. where I'm supposed to get all their weird code words and like jazz things and jazz, literal jazz. I don't much care for. <laughs> and so <laughs> sometimes in this movie, it would just be like, beep -bop, beep -bop, beep -bop, boo, and I'm like, I'm going to die. <laughs> I, I just did not care for it. But the flashback itself, because I'm like, I don't care about either one of these people. And yeah, being sort of like, he is not having any sort of emotional reaction to this woman in the ditch, to immediately being like, he probably should if it seems like they were fairly close at a certain point. You know, I think it worked well enough for like setting the scene of he's probably in shock, but also like trying to figure out exactly what happened because he's the detective. Like that's his function in the story. The only thing we were missing was an, a narration from him going, oh, it happened two days ago. Mm -hmm. So I know this is a film that starts with a corpse in a ditch, but I found the combination of high school and the noir elements unintentionally hilarious on this viewing. I am pretty sure I did not the first time I saw it. I'm pretty sure at the time I thought high school was a very serious place because I was just out of high school. Yes. Watching it the other day, I'm like, this, this is ridiculous. Like, go, like, you think your principal is like a cop? Like, go home. Go, like, tell your mom. Like, like it's just, I just found it, like, just, like, hilarious. All of the, like, combinations of, like, come on, this isn't that serious. You're a high school kid. Like, come on, chill out. Go home. Oh, my God, Sarah, you totally nailed something, which I think there were maybe two or three adults that they interacted yes! with throughout this entire movie. And that's always my problem because I was a goody two-shoes throughout high school, and I still am, but... Yeah, anytime there was any sort of trouble, I'd be like, where's an adult? Why aren't there any adults in your lives? Yes. Why is the one adult sort of like the chief of police who's like, I'm using you as a snitch? I'm like, no, you're the adult. Yes. What are you doing? And also, like, where is his mom? Like, and I'm somebody who my parents and oh, you've met my parents, my parents, my mother in particular, were omnipresent during my time in high school like I could barely like kiss somebody without being like my parents are going to come up behind me like mm -hmm. I certainly couldn't oh, like yeah. investigate a murder <laughs> without them like noticing 
Yeah, that was highly frowned upon in my home as well. No murder investigations without parental consent. Yeah, we were always told the exact same thing. If you come across a body in a ditch, don't go investigating that murder because you're going to turn over some hornet's nests, young fella, they'd say to me. And I'd be like, okay, dad. And he'd be like, no, 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 no. Hornets are bad. I'd be like, oh, all right, sorry. They're bad. I won't do that. Uh, Megan, how did you find the uh, the film noir trappings? Um. So my first thought was, oh, Ollie, you just make me watch a serious movie. I don't want to do this tonight. <laughs> and then by the time we hit the scene where they're in the kitchen in the Penn's house, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I like, like I always love detective stuff. And uh, like Veronica Mars is, is my favorite show. And so... Outside of like a few editing choices, like when he's running away from someone and then trips him. And I was like, man, the feet are loud. I really enjoyed it. It is also not a film that I'm ever going to watch again. No, I'm good. Yeah. I think uh, Veronica Mars is actually a really good comparison between, mm-hmm. you know, that's also set in a high school in mm-hmm. California, but it's modern. You know, there's no film noir element to it, but it also treats high school with sort of the irreverence Mm -hmm, that it deserves you know veronica's issues are serious to her because she's a teen in high school and that's what some of her like crimes are about but then sometimes it's you know much larger scale stuff and she's like another murdered body yeah (laughs) (laughs) and she's like i'm a child and she you know she sort of reacts in like a high schoolish kind of way Mm -hmm. where she's like i can handle it and then she can't and she knows it like i don't know there's this whole thing where this is like this felt like watching a high school play written by high schoolers yes. who are like, they've watched a bunch of like Bugsy Malone or whatever the, you know, mob, old mobster <laughs> the movies. hardest hitting of, uh, yeah. of someone, film war. Yeah, someone found a fedora in like their dad's closet and they were like, this is what we're doing on the weekend. We'll ask three of our friends to come be extras. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Especially they will because it's around. like shot of feet shot a feet and i was like okay <laughs> what but it, looking this up because i was like what the hell did i get myself in what did i get myself into and it's ryan johnson wrote this shortly after school and i was like oh yeah mm, okay okay yeah it's also so this takes place in a high school and when you have similar things even with serious elements that take place in a high school you see things that are reminiscent of one's experience in high school in this Nobody has ever gone to class, with the exception of uh, the pin. We never see anybody's parents. There Mm -hmm. seem to be maybe 12 people who attend this high school because, like, nobody is just around. It's so weird. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of football games. Never saw but that one football man. Uh, (laughs) Coach Ramish. Yes. The, BB, football man. the only football man in the entire school and that's why coach and they don't let him put him play. in yeah, who are all yeah, these people no being like put in the game instead of grab ramish like, where are they yeah maybe they're very busy doing sports things off screen we just don't ever see them and like this play that's constantly being rehearsed in the background where uh i'm forgetting I'm forgetting the Kara. character's name. Yes. Kara is like just increasingly putting on more and more layers of weird clothes and makeup. <laughs> and I'm like, what play is this? And no one else is in the play. No one yes. else. I had a hard time with the women in this movie because yep. I knew there was Kara, though that was not the name I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And then I knew there was a Kara. I knew there was a Laura. And I knew there was dead girlfriend, which, man, 
I'm kind of glad I didn't look this up beforehand because I spent so much of this movie being like, how much fridging is this and how much is it not? Like, is it fridging if you're kind of leaning on the noir tropes? And that's, like, that's yeah. what gets it back us into into the plot is we get Brendan's point of view where he's going to try and figure out a way to get in contact with Emily who's just rang him. Emily played by Emily the Raven, um, I'm assuming because she couldn't handle a name that wasn't her own. Um <laughs> Stop! I love her. Yes, she's Belle. Like she's that. so oh, good. That's what she is. Oh, okay. She's I understand your Claire Unlost. That's all she'll ever be. Is she? Oh, what? Yeah, she's Claire Unlost. Oh, she is. Yes. She's I was baby. thinking about the other blonde. Oh, my baby. Oh, yeah. We get it. You're gonna have a baby. Relax. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This Irish heat. <laughs> Yeah. Is just going to labor near Ollie, apparently. Yeah. Things will be different, I tell you. <laughs> but he, he's trying to find out where she is. So he goes to talk to his one and only friend in the world, the brain. Um, the brain, which we'll get on also to attractive. later on. Um, I, I, I thought, like, if you were to say to me, I was watching that and I had a thing for the brain, I'd be like, yeah, I'd get that. Oh, no, like. I looked him up and it's, um, he was like in a Disney Channel movie and then in something else. And I was like, oh, so this is like one of my childhood crushes. Okay, good. Continue. <laughs> well, he was a handsome dude, but he, uh, he helps Brendan to make contact with Emily. And he does this through a fella called the Dode, who is hanging out at the back of a coffee shop called, Sarah, do you remember the name of the coffee shop? Coffee and pie. Oh my. Pie, Amazing. Oh my. Which as we all know is the name that a coffee shop that caters to uh, children in high school would definitely have and out the back of this uh, coffee and pie oh my is a bunch of hash heads is how he describes them um but they look like they were doing something a little <laughs> bit more serious than hash um and we get our first instance of brendan uh, played by a wayfish uh, jgl um knocking people around as he uh, punches the dode in the face and scares off the other four uh, druggies um, to get the information out of him, which is where he can meet Emily that day. And we then cut back to him at school, where he's once again in an empty building. I don't get... Uh, like, no I'm, other children attend the school. I'm only au fait <laughs> with American schools through TV. Shouldn't there have been like a thousand kids there? Oh, yeah. yeah. It should have been wall-to-wall children... You couldn't have heard any of the jazz or any of the footsteps through all, like, just the screaming and the backpack noises and just, yeah, it's public school in America for the most part. They are crowded and I'm pretty sure, I'm like mm, 80% certain you couldn't just disappear in the middle of the day without no, somebody no. noticing. <laughs> but it does go back to your whole vibe of, like, they definitely went on a Saturday and was like, all right, we're filming at the school, let's do this. <laughs> yep. I mean, I went to Someone a private school, and even at a private school, like, you do not see, like, you do not see that, like, empty of a space ever when yeah. school is in session. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I also went to a private school, and, I mean, there were 42 kids in my graduating class. So, like, yeah, it was a very small school. Mm-hmm. That is so small. <laughs> Teeny tiny. And even then, yeah, just throughout the day, children everywhere, mm-hmm. as far as the eye could see. Mm-hmm. Megan, did you go to a private school? No, I went to public school. Actually, when Amber said that, my thought went, I graduated 50th in my class, which was top 10%. And like, <laughs> that is still more people in front of me than were in her graduating class. Oh, yeah. Wait, I think we ho- had 500 K through 12. Yeah. There were 500 Jeez. people in your senior 
class. 513 in my senior class. There's 700 and something in my brother's oh, sister's oh, senior class. I'm in between. I had like 100 and So I had the opposite. Yeah. The largest secondary school in my entire country is Skull Ida in Dublin, and that has 1,300 students. And that's wow. the biggest by a considerable amount. I teach in a private school. We have 600, and that is us pushing it and adding in a transition year, forcing them to stay in school <laughs> a year longer so that we can up the... Maybe I shouldn't say this out loud, but we can up the no. numbers because we can have more teachers for more students on, on campus oh. or whatever. Um, we also get more money. That's how it works in, in Ireland. Like that. But 600, and we are the biggest school for like three counties. <laughs> yeah, America's so, a oh, big I, country. It was 500 in my graduating year. <laughs> I live in a, it's a weird county, but it's like a county in Georgia that like everybody looks at it and goes, ah, this is a great county for schools. And I still don't know why, but they do. <laughs> Are you in Old so Gwinnett? Like, no, I'm up in Cobb. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, we have like 10 magnet schools or something in Cobb County. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I've never understood it. But Yeah. I mean, you're a suburb of Atlanta, which is a large metropolitan area. <laughs> so it's not yeah. that, yeah. I mean- Atlanta city schools, not great. <laughs> they got problems. Yeah. So it's not surprising that people who already didn't live in the city proper would look for a school nearby, but outside of the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Terry, your private think- school was Washington? Uh, Washington, D.C. suburbs. Uh, I went to a private, a private oh, okay. Jewish school, which was a K through 12 school, although divided between two buildings. Um, and my class was about 120 students, my graduating class. That's so. a good number. That's sure. what my graduating school And then like colleges, it's interesting because I went to a small college and now teach at a small college. But the last few years I taught at... Indiana University, the population of like, there's like 40,000 students, like the population of Indiana University is like most of the population of the town in which it is located. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you said 40,000 students in the college. (laughs) I did. In the what there? In the college, yeah. I thought he said in the college there, and I was like, I don't understand this reference. Well, in the college, that's Oh, man. Why, do you, why would you need so many people? America, you have too many people. Yeah, um, it's, far too many it's a big of us. country. We got to fill it up with people and I guess corn is the other thing we got. <laughs> so this is a, a good time to, to talk about. So you guys went to two private schools corn. and a regular school. And yes. Megan, you mentioned magnet schools. And magnet schools, I, I'm not really okay with the American thing, but they are specialized schools. Yeah, like you still get a similar education, but it like you know kind of what you want to do so you start focusing and taking like more classes geared in that way but like in a you're going to go to a better college way not like a um not like a trade school yeah thank you technical way yeah Yeah. no it's like there was a science school there's a actually there was an acting school there's mathematics and just all that stuff well i was going to say is there a chance that the school featured in this movie is one for acting and drama, which apparently is the only thing that goes on in that school. If so, I have concerns about how well they are preparing their children to join the workforce of actors and actresses. The one thing, though, that I will say about the school as a potential drama-focused school is that it has the nicest dressing room I have ever seen like i did high school drama they had like i think they barely managed like one like mediocre small spare room like one for girls and one for guys Uh, we never we didn't have dedicated dressing rooms like we every year in my school we 
did a spring musical and they would just turn the convention center is what it was called but it really was just like a large building that had a stage but also like three large rooms that could be turned into six individual classrooms which they were throughout the week then for the play night some of those classrooms would be turned into the dressing rooms so we never had like because the bathrooms are right nearby Mm. so we never had dedicated spaces for drama Mm -hmm. as when i went to school there but yeah, just seeing that is like, my God, you could leave personal effects in here. Right. <laughs> the beautiful lighting. You weren't like hunched over a mirror, poking yourself in the eye with eyeliner, trying to yep. put it on. Like, yep. Amazing. I, I disagree. I think that the school is perfectly preparing these kids for like a drama because I tell you, have you ever been to a school where everybody's a drug dealer? And there are several <laughs> pregnancies and and there's people getting murdered left, right and centre. That's about as much drama as I can handle watching the show. So I don't know how these kids are living through this. Listen, I'm Also, you, I clicked my fingers three times, but I'm so sweaty. Because <laughs> you sort of made a, yeah, a, yeah. I was just thinking how hot Ollie is a different kind of sassy. Yeah. And that just made it so much better. Oh my god. Well, I mean, there's only, sad to say, only one gun throughout this entire movie, which, if they really wanted to amp up the drama of an American high school, probably would have involved more. There probably would have been a higher level of, like, actual danger, and not just Joseph Gordon-Levitt springing from below frame upwards to constantly punch people, (laughs) which is my, honestly, I did, I rewound the movie twice to watch him do this, because it was the funniest method of fighting i have ever seen in a film he was just like leapfrogging off the ground full force punching these people and i was like what are you doing joseph joseph listen as as a personally short guy that's the best way to fight you generate all your power with the leap um so joseph gordon levitt brendan meets emily and she says no 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 no. i was just in a bad place at the time when i rang you don't worry about it and she leaves and he finds a little sheet of paper with what looks like uh, half of mcdonald's arch and a line through it and a time at it and he doesn't figure out what that is until the next morning it's you know directions to the ditch <laughs> and when he goes there he finds her body are we and i was watching this with sarah and uh the text message that Sarah sent me at the time was uh, basically, so we get back to the start of the movie, where mm-hmm. she was, and he walks over and he picks up the body, and Sarah went, creepy little fuck's gonna finish what he started. <laughs> <laughs> because, admittedly, it does look like all the yes. things point to him having done it at this yes. point. Yeah, my I see a dead body in a ditch of what I assume must be stormwater, my first instinct is not better pick this up. Like, no, right? Or <laughs> yeah, even check gross. for a pulse. Especially, yeah, better not drape it over my body in order to drag it somewhere. Like, if I absolutely had to, you would, like, you know, gingerly pick them up by the legs and drag them somewhere. Like, no, for the, for the call, purposes yeah, of this you call morning, the police. Yeah. Oh. You call an adultier adult. <laughs> an adultier adult is correct. Please help. I have come across a dead body and I know exactly what my mother would say. Something about how like, of course you did. <laughs> that is your luck. It's like classic yeah. Megan. <laughs> classic Megan. This is I mean this is where the uh yeah. the noir tropes fall down for me because film noir is brilliant, but film noir lives in the past because it made sense back then. 
if you're the guy who's the ex-boyfriend three months ago who very publicly within the school it's acknowledged that you and her had a bad breakup and you put your DNA all over that dead body mm-hmm. and then later on in the movie there's a point where he's holding the gun which is used to kill a police officer yes. apparently, and he just drops it on the ground his fingerprints are all over he walks out of the building sorry runs out of the building and then walks over to where he stashed her body in a car and puts his full handprint on the trunk of the car or as we call them in Ireland a boot and he closes the trunk and I'm thinking there is so much evidence here it's not even circumstantial yes. at this mm-hmm. point this lad did it, even if he didn't do it, because every police officer in the world is going to Adnan Syed him and just go, we've got our guy. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter that, you know, All the, the, other, the other evidence is pointing at the, you know, the other creepy dude over in the corner. Mm-hmm. It's this lad, the ex-boyfriend. Of course if it is. At least there's enough clearly for cause to dismiss a charge against anyone else, right? That at the very mm-hmm. least, there's like enough of a possibility that he's like but a viable suspect. who's going to who's going to fight it tug's dead True, everybody's dead so yeah yeah that, yeah that but was now i want to start like a yeah i want to start a serial style podcast now for like <laughs> about Brick. in this universe <laughs> to get justice for tug right yeah. <laughs> and talk about how all of this evidence points to this guy it, it does. does all point to josh gordon uh or so wait before we move on i need to make a comment about emily's fashion choices because so Emily has these like blue plasticky bracelets, right? Which are very distinctive and you see that in her court. Other than that, Emily is dressed like she is a 50 year old middle school teacher. <laughs> no one in high school has ever dressed like that. Oh boy, that's so true. I'm trying to remember now what I looked like in the early 2000s. I, I'm just shocked by this. I, I like her style. I'm not saying I like hate it per se. You know, it's a look. I'm just saying yeah, no one has ever dressed like this in high school and specifically nobody dressed like this in high school in the early 2000s. I can say definitively because I was in high school in the early 2000s. That's and I'm true. going to make a guess that nobody in high school in the early 2000s who was also involved in the drug trade uh, was currently dressed as a 1950s school mom. No, you Most don't want to stand out when you're yeah. part of Yeah, it. no, the people I knew who were part of the drug trade definitely didn't dress like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually not totally uh, joking. There was a whole thing with some people from the year after me in high school who were on a high school-sponsored oh. trip to Israel and got sent home after dealing drugs, especially because it turned out that their dealers were donating some of the profits to Hamas. Oh, wow. What a twist. <laughs> Oh boy, let's talk about this instead of brick. <laughs> See, that's drama. Wonderful. That's high school drama. Right? Yeah. Why was your school sending kids to Israel? <laughs> because How they were trying to get there. First of all, what are we it was doing? It's a Jewish school. They were trying to indoctrinate us. Yeah. Like, but I'm assuming you... that if you were in the Jewish school, you were already Jewish. Yeah, they want to make Jews like Israel more. Yeah, and especially they. My understanding of it is, I am not Jewish, but. My understanding of like birthright yeah. trips and things is so not only that you're like, yeah, Israel's great, but also they're trying to like hook you up with other Jewish kids yes, so you'll marry and perhaps move to Israel and have more babies in Israel, but like have the mindset that they want you to have. So birthright, I believe, tricky. actually will pay oh, for your wedding wow. if you meet a partner, your partner on birthright. Holy yeah. shit. That's wild. Oh, man. Oh, feel suddenly like feel, I need to yeah. do life a little suddenly bit. Suddenly feeling oh. like I need to visit the synagogue down the street. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's Listen, guys, Shalom, everybody. I, I, I did go on a birthday trip. I, during the week, I 
had some good thoughts about a Jewish person, my good friend Sarah. I was like, Sarah, she's a lovely person. And it's been 90 degrees plus for the last three days <laughs> because I have angered God somehow. Yeah. So you shouldn't have done that. He yeah. was like, I know what church. Sarah's high school did. You can't trick me, Ollie. <laughs> okay. Is he going, why haven't you tried to convert Sarah? <laughs> He has, it just hasn't stuck. Every time I say stuff to Sarah, I was like, Sarah, what about coming over to the, the Catholic side? She just laughs and goes, you don't yeah. even have the good parts of the Bible. <laughs> Sarah, don't you love an overwhelming sense of guilt for no reason all the time? I mean, I we also right have now. an overwhelming sense of guilt, but it's just about our mothers. So we don't need to have it about God, too. Uh, yeah, but you don't have to okay. tell anyone. That's the thing. In Catholicism, they're like, demand you tell someone yeah. about how upset you feel. That's why I'm just boring, regular Christian type. Yeah. We're like, whatever. Yeah. Right. All I need, all I need, I just need to feel guilty that I don't call my mom enough. That's a, that's Jewish guilt. Perfect. I it's, feel yeah. guilty that you don't call your mom. <laughs> like that's, that's what this is all about. It's just, it's piling up on top of me. I have so much guilt. I'm ready to confess to murdering Emily. <laughs> Like, that's how it's going Maybe to go. Maybe you should do that. Maybe this is how you break the heat. Oh, there Holy you go. go confess. Yeah, just yeah, it doesn't matter if I confess. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's <laughs> DNA is over everything. They're never going to convict me. They'll go confess <laughs> to a priest. General. But yes, uh, yes, yeah. please go confess how you killed Emily and Brick. Oh, boy. That's going to confuse a lot of people. <laughs> also, then it'll start being 90 degrees longer, and you know it will be your fault then. Yeah, it definitely will be my fault. But I'd be in the clink, yeah. so it wouldn't matter. That's right. I call it the clink. No. <laughs> <laughs> So wait, does the church not protect you? Oh yes, yeah, seal a confession. Yeah. You're good. Never mind. Tug. So we need to get to Tug. So Tug is a character named Tug who is a thug. And we wait before no, we get Ollie, to him. Say it we again probably, in your Irish accent. They don't sound any different to each other. Exactly. <laughs> um, there's something that we we actually totally forgot our femme fatale in this, mm. who is Laura. Uh, so I have a couple of questions about Laura. Um, number one, have you guys? In your teenage lives back back a few years ago now, ever organized a party similar to the one that Laura has organized, which she calls Halloween in January. Exclamation and, point. Exclamation point. And is the most upscale party I have ever seen. Like It's like eyes wide shut, watch this movie and went, we should copy that. That's 100% what I was about to say. This weird eyes wide shut. <laughs> intro to orgies that they were trying to pull very odd also in this house which is simultaneously super fancy but also has almost no furniture oh so i saw in the wikipedia article about brick that they were looking for a place to shoot this scene and apparently an eccentric millionaire <laughs> <laughs> loaned them the use of his mansion that was like under construction and they said the some cage? of the rooms were filled with phone booths <laughs> From like the 1950s or Wait, something. Wait, is that where they got oh, the phone booth from? 100% Nick Maybe, Cage. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's where the phone came from. I was both baffled and like this completely makes sense. Like, Absolutely. what yes. a weird, like, what was that sacrificial candle circle that they had? I don't. It was a lot. They probably went through his stuff. And they have like no furniture but a like, grand piano. Works. Like, what is happening? Yeah. So yeah, oh so God. in the scene for those, for people who haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while, he walks into the party where Emily was meant to be, and he's trying to, to track down, and he sees Laura, our femme fatale, playing 
the piano. Sorry, I said playing the piano. Hitting random keys <laughs> on the piano because she's not playing the notes where her hands are. Just if anyone's ever played the piano, you can't play those notes from where your hands are positioned. Though I'm sorry, um, and definitely not in the order that she does. And then she's reading. I think it's a Faulkner poem. Just reading it out, you know, as we all did at our parties yeah. as mm-hmm. teenagers. Um, then Brad Bramish is boasting about how he's the coolest man in the world or whatever and he's wearing a toga because it's a toga party simultaneously with also being a classy party but it's a toga party toga toga we all know how it goes and he's there and he sees brendan and is immediately aggressive towards him despite the fact that there doesn't seem to be any oh i think he sees brendan and laura sort of making eyes you know like mm-hmm. laura, they're making mm-hmm. eye contact and she sort of like waggles her eyebrows at him like oh hey and because bb is the only football man in the movie he's very insecure about that he's wondering he's where am i yeah he's like where are my teammates except for maybe that one guy that was also wearing a football jacket who didn't say anything at any point no he was just at the halloween costume <laughs> yeah I th- that's what it was that was his costume and he got confused and he wore it to school once i think uh, <laughs> so you know but it was like that sort of typical aggressive jock thing mm-hmm. where he sees his girlfriend even just looking at another guy and he gets very aggro about it it was very silly it, like didn't make any sense <laughs> yeah and then so she, he says to, to Brendan, what are you doing here? And obviously because Brendan is the uh, protagonist in the movie, he's got a witty retonder, which is, I'm leaving. And you're like, Grant, but you don't actually leave, Brendan. You go into another room with his girlfriend, which was the entire reason for his aggression towards you. But the room he goes into, as somebody said earlier, was like a, a candle circle for some sort of thing. It's an empty, dusty looking room. Yeah. What is this function in the house? Because there's no chairs in it. There's no bed in it. It's just a white room with candles. They're clearly renovating it. Okay. And or part of the satanic. Okay. All right. Ah, I'm, I found the bit in the Wikipedia article. <laughs> oh, no. So <laughs> Okay. So the location, which was a former telecom executive and eccentric millionaire, allowed them to shoot in his place, which was still under construction. The big mansion was packed from floor to ceiling with payphones dating back to the 1950s. So that was the one room without payphones. That's all they. <laughs> there is nowhere else they could go. Well, in fairness, if you're a former telecom executive, and like having a mansion phones. filled with payphones is still insane. Um, so from that, we get to the dead body, and we find out that there's the last set of conversation he had with her. She mentions the pin, which we find later from the brain king. She talks about putting the brick back or locating the brick which he doesn't seem to make a connection with cocaine but i mean if you'd asked you know little baby ollie back at, in no leave insert year in 1998 uh what does brick mean in relation to drugs or whatever i'd have told you it's like a brick of cocaine that's how cocaine comes like in bricks heroin? like yeah definitely it comes yeah. like, but i suppose because but it's like a hard drug yeah. it's right. a hard drug when they get dr- found in ireland they always like it, it makes headline news as cocaine but sorry back then wasn't big but like i would have known what a brick was um yeah didn't they watch the wire <laughs> <laughs> this, it's it's heroin in the wire Sarah. but still like at least you get the sense that like it's hard drugs like he looks like he's so concerned about you not knowing that yeah because i know sarah's watched it like I, i'm just saying like at least you should get from that like hard drugs right like that there's right that like they find things that are like big like bricks of drugs yeah exactly but he but 
Brendan, who's street savvy and has been a drug dealer in the past himself, doesn't seem to make these connections. He needs the character of the brain to make these connections. But he finds out that Laura and Brad Bramish had been making connections with Emily. So he decides to beat up Brad Bramish so that he can make his connection to the pin, the kingpin. And it's also important to note that at this point, himself and the Dode are the only two people that we've met who know that Emily... See, I think this is where my confusion starts to set in because I knew someone dated Brad, knew someone was someone's sister, and I knew at one point that they were the same person, but then at some point I was like, no, they're not. They look completely different. Wait, whose sister is Laura? (laughs) Or I don't know. I think this was just my brain being like, she shows up in the pen's house. That's clearly her sister because they're teenagers. Oh. Why else is she there? (laughs) Like, it made more sense to me. She's the friend to tell. She's everywhere. She yeah. But the important thing to note is that the pin is very old because he's 26. That Ancient. made me shrivel up and blow away dust in the wind. I was devastated. 26, guys. Very old. Oh, On the verge so of cool. death, really. what a, Yeah. That's but, why he had that cane. Exactly. Because he beats up Brad, he gets. Sorry, I just realized he does have a game. Because he beats yeah. up Brad Bramish uh, with his super jump punches from beneath the bottom of the screen, <laughs> Super Mario style. Uh, or no, it's not Super Mario. Punch out style, so the video game from like the SNES days. Uh, so he manages to knock out uh, Brad Bramish. He's like, that's my calling card. And um, he gets to meet the pin. So this character called the Tug shows up in a car that Brendan had seen earlier on in the movie. And he beats the crap out of Brendan, which is great. And then he sticks him in the boot uh, to kind of keep him from not seeing where he is. But Tug is not particularly good at what he does, except beating people up Mm -hmm. and shooting defenseless people in the head. Mm -hmm. But Brendan opens up the boot and is able to figure out what he gets. And we get a scene with the Kingpin, who is played by Lucas Haas, who is famous, as far as I'm concerned, for two things. Number one, he was the little boy in Witness. And while I was looking him up today, I found out that he was one of the founding members of the Pussy Posse and used to hang out with Leonardo DiCaprio and was the runner-up or third choice to play Jack in Titanic. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, And if you've seen this movie or Lucas Black at any stage in your life, how in God's name was he ever in contention to play Jack in Titanic? And how was he a member of something called the Pussy Posse? Because no. No. Jack, I can only see if they were like, we need someone who looks like he's on the verge of starvation. Just a sad waifish boy. And then they saw him. They're like, not that much. Pull it back. <laughs> yeah, less wayfish. More classically beautiful. Oh, there's Leo. Like, right. yes. Could you imagine the scene on the prow of the boat where he's holding on to her and she's like, "I'm flying, Jack." And then it cuts to Lucas back and he goes, "Me too." Yeah, he just because he literally the would ear blow lift away. that he would have gotten. Yeah. <sighs> he's got big ears, guys, and I don't mean this to body shame him. Like some people look cute with big ears. But Lucas Black looks like Lucas Black with big ears. <laughs> wow. Megan, you were going to disagree and say that, you know, well... No, I wasn't, because I definitely like was like, oh yeah, the guy with the big ears. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking He's at a 26. photo of him now. He's, He's 26. I remember 26. He's done growing. All right, now he is 10 years older than me, so that's right at the the age limit of what I think of as too old. <laughs> Right. <laughs> He'll be in the grave soon enough at 26. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I feel like I have one foot in now, so oh, yeah. God only knows how he's doing. 
Guys, I thought I was being harsh with the ear jokes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so Lucas Haas is down in the basement of what looks like a very normal like house. Like the, like when you hear somebody's the kingpin, you're thinking the mansion. It just looks like a regular bungalow. Like don't think there's going to be an upstairs. But he's down in the basement. We get to meet him. He's a bit of a creepy dude. Brandon offers to work with him to help tell him when the police are after him because there's a lot of heat for the drugs in the school or whatever and they're looking for Emily's body. And then we get a scene in the kitchen where the Kingpin's mom is giving him cookies and cornflakes and is asking him what he wants to drink. And at that point, I'm I'm with Megan in this. Kingpin is the local drug dealer who's living in his mom's basement. It it just turned this movie into a comedy. Yeah, Yeah. it's hilarious. He looks like, and I don't know if it's just me self-imposing this image on, but he looks like that kid that plays D&D that, like, is always in character and that has led to to people fearing him. Yes! Mm -hmm. And it's like, sitting in his mom's kitchen. He also is dressed like he is just like has is like one time played on Jolra and Les Mis and never and never changed out of that costume. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Like, this is who I am now. <laughs> this is But me. he went to that school, which as we've already established, <laughs> was a drama magnet. Yes, yeah, he put out exactly. a production of Les Mis and he got his Angelra costume and he's just never changed out of that <laughs> for the last ten years. And that's that's why they couldn't do another production. He's still <laughs> most likely the only costume that they had at the school. <laughs> So now they've just been rehearsing oh, for quite a while. They're they're too heartbroken to tell their children they will never be able to do gone. it. Yeah. That was the drama. They just have makeup I now. Genuinely had to keep reminding myself that there was a dead girl because I was like, this is clearly not about drugs. This is like the chocolate milk scandal or something. And, <laughs> and I was like, no, someone's dead. Like, it has to be about drugs. Yeah. There was no sense of like actual danger at any point to me in this movie like Mm -hmm. things did get tense at certain points but it was just like all right you guys are being extremely you could call an adult at any moment yes like i know you don't want to call the police in your weird jazz pattern but like do it right and i'm like you think everything in your life is so serious and yeah it is like somebody's dead but on the other hand it's like you're sitting in this guy's kitchen and his mom is giving you country style orange juice in a country glass like no no yeah and just looks at them i'll get out of your way i'll go to the other room what's going on yeah sarah just a quick question what was the most serious thing that happened to you in high school because i am incredibly interested now and somebody's uh, yes somebody's dead and that's mildly serious oh god i mean i don't know if you're asking for real or not but yeah i am i really am the week before my freshman year we were in marching band camp and one of the kids in my marching band like jumped out of a truck and some collapsed and like had a blood clot and died the week before school started so like there was a dead body wow but yeah nothing that serious ever happened in (laughs) my school but like yeah it's just there like that's what's making it this movie not fully work i think for for us is that there's this disconnect between an actual very serious thing there is a dead person a dead girl Mm -hmm. And, like, the fact that no adult seems to be that worried about the right. fact that she's missing. Of the two, like, the one adult that should be, maybe, the vice principal or whatever the he is. The assistant vice uh, principal, by the way. There's oh. not, not even the principal or it's not even the oh vice principal. Yes, the VP. The VP. The VP's looking yeah. for you. Like, it's wild. <laughs> and he's acting and like he's, he's just like, like oh. It's hilarious. Yeah, and, like, apparently all the drugs are coming from one very sad... 
20 something who lives in his mother's basement where they probably could just follow yeah they could just follow one of the drug dealers they probably could just follow tug and like it wouldn't be hard it doesn't seem like it's hard to solve any other mystery in this movie a high school student did it a high school student figured it all out yeah there used to be another drug trade we find out that uh, Brendan fucking like ratted him his partner out. Yeah, yeah. yeah they used to they like, used to deal weed. Yeah, the hard yeah. <laughs> Such the hard stuff, man. I leave you out the back of coffee shops, just sitting beside the dumpster all day. <laughs> so yeah, it's just all so ridiculous that it doesn't mesh with the very serious fact of someone being dead. Which is why I think we keep being like, oh yeah, <laughs> she she has clearly yes. been murdered. It doesn't work with like the rest of the movie. So. This just links back to uh, another thing that Sarah, um, it, you know, it could have been me, but I think it was Sarah said this in our chat while we were watching. Around about this point, her she's been dead a couple of days at this point because time has moved on and still nobody knows. Do you think Brendan's been sneaking into that culvert, you know? <laughs> I'm, like, Horrifying. I'm just saying, has he been sneaking in and like putting into poses and like having little conversations with her? He's like, oh no, no, I still love you too. All this sort oh, of stuff. No. Or do you think he's like staying away or... Is there just even more DNA evidence piling up on her? I'm just oh wondering it all at this point. The Irish heat has fully just melted your brain, Ollie. <laughs> that is terrifying. Yeah, that was you. That was terrifying to contemplate. <laughs> Where did he keep the body? I he just put it like wild. further in, like under the thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I missed Which that. Which I'm also okay. like, so really... would you be worried it might wash away? Common sense is not present in this movie. No. Maybe he also just assumed that was how the, his DNA would get off. <laughs> There's yeah. water there. <laughs> the water's just washing off my yeah. fingerprints yeah. and bodily fluids. It's fine. She'll, so, she'll have rotted on. by the time they find the Honestly, yeah. yeah. We find out that the dode has gone into hiding. That's the guy that Brendan beat up behind the coffee. And he has information. And it turns out that while Brendan was hiding the body, the dode saw him. Now, we saw this earlier on. We kind of skipped past it. Brendan runs into the dark, and it's the one thing that actually got me in the movie. It was like, that's actually kind of terrifying. The idea of running into a dark tunnel with the light behind you is terrifying to me because you're going to run into something, and Brendan runs into something. It's the first time he gets injured in the movie, um, which we're going to find out later on. He has internal injuries or something because that yes. dude is like swallowing he blood left, dying. right, and center and collapsing oh, yeah. half the time. Yeah. But it's okay because Laura kisses him and maybe sleeps with him, and that cures him. Of course. Because he doesn't uh, like cough up anymore at the end of the movie. So Ali, she's a doctor. <laughs> of course. Uh, so, everyone, Ollie forced me to watch Grey's Anatomy, and now I am in my oh, month of twelve, and <gasps> I uh, kind of hate it, but also really am enjoying it. It's a complicated that. experience, but I. It's was the very- question of you enjoy it. Is it good? No, no. definitely not. Do I like it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Sir, yeah. I I don't like this this notion that Ollie forced you to watch Grey's Anatomy. In a conversation, you said, "What are you doing?" And I said, oh, I "Thought I'd throw on Grey's Anatomy." And now you're two seasons ahead of me. There's been no forcing involved in these things. You have jumped on that horse and ridden off with a fast gallop ahead of you me. You forced Sarah me to Tegra. start. Like you threw me on the horse, and then the horse just kept galloping forward. Yeah, and you kept saying, "Please help me." And Ali's like, "I don't know. Uh, who else will yeah. I talk about Grey's Anatomy with?" Exactly. <laughs> I was. It actually is true. <laughs> but mostly, I'm not going. If we finish Grey's because 24 is on Disney Plus, Sarah, do you want to do a 24 rewatch? Oh, God. Um, I kind of wanted on that. 
But yeah, but anyway, so she is uh, Reed Adamson, the doctor who sucks that they kill off in the hospital shooting. What season? I feel like I watched so little of Grey's Anatomy that when people try to describe it to me now, I'm like, surely this cannot be the same series that I watched. I think I stopped watching fairly, not that long after like uh, Sandra Oh's character gets like left at the altar or whatever. Like, season five I yeah think. like I, I think he was like you know what yeah. not i'm i'm sad for my girl sandra i don't need to see any more of this the hospital <laughs> shooting is after that okay yeah i don't yeah, think the hospital I saw that. shooting is season eight um i'm almost certain um and all i was thinking the entire time was shoot him the metal show <laughs> uh, which by the way just i in case anyone know um enchanted 2 is currently filming in ireland yeah i heard and, about uh, that i only find this out this morning oh, wow. um because uh, my friend is working on it. Oh wow! And uh, he's tiny. <laughs> oh, uh, like like, but like oh. really tiny, tiny. Gosh, right. In the words of TJ, yeah. smaller than you, Ollie. And I know I'm five six, which means that Dempsey is shorter than I am. <laughs> Wouldn't surprising. have thought that. Well, I guess Ellen Pompeo is just a little elf of a woman. Yeah, she's so, also very small. Yeah, when you oh, put her next to another, like, sh- yeah, she's a little tiny thing, a little slip of a, of a woman. Yeah. Wait, let's get Patrick back. Patrick he's 5'10", by the way, so he, but he might oh, be lying. No, TJ knows exactly how tall I am in relation to him because we spent 7 billion days together in our life. So if he says he's shorter than me, he's shorter than me. Well, but, he is lying we'll back to where on we the internet about his height. Oh yeah, brick. So, <laughs> Brendan finds Dode. And Dode says he knows Brendan killed Emily. Now we know Brendan didn't kill Emily, or at least we hope we are supposed to know that. And yeah, at this point, we're not certain. Sarah <laughs> yeah. was pretty much certainly had, <laughs> but at this point, we're a little bit hoping that it wasn't him. But the Dode is going to meet with the pin in the same place where Emily was killed and where Tug. Well, we're about to find out. So the pin and Tug and Dode are at the culvert. The body is like 15 yards further up in the dark. Um, Brendan falls over and collapses and swallows a big bunch of blood, but he manages to get there in time. And the Dode is talking about how somebody close to the pin did it, and somebody who's very close to you right now did it. And obviously, Tug is the one who did do it, who also happens to be standing there, and he snaps, beats up Dode, and shoots him in the head, so Brendan gets away with, you know, the possibility of being fingered for the murder. Um, Which then leads to our big problem at the end, which is the two characters, the pin and tug, have a fallout, and there's going to be a war, as they describe it, i.e. a fight for dominance over the drug trade, I'm assuming. And it's all linked back to this missing brick, um, which is a brick of, it's not cocaine, it's some other drug. some synthetic. Is it heroin? I think so. Excellent. Well, we'll see it was. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't recognize them from their thing. I'm not from America. Uh, wow. But, Rude, but true. <laughs> Brendan starts playing peacemaker between the two, but we also find out that he's going to set them up and have the police show up while they're all in the building and he's stashed the dead body that he's you know had for the last three days and been looking after and he's put it in the car and basically everything is set up for Tug and the pin either killed or captured by the police. So it's actually one thing, there's one thing that we need to say about the brick though that we have not yes. said, which is that the brick wasn't just missing, it turned up again, mm-hmm. but it had been cut with something that made it 
dangerous, right? Like somebody was yes. like in a coma from having taken. That's right. Do you, that do you don't think it was dangerous when it was just heroin, Sarah? I mean, it's like more dangerous, okay. right? Like it's like it's not, yeah, yeah, you can overdose, but it's like things get cut, get cut, it's yes. like cut with things that are like literally like poisonous as opposed yeah. to just like, like not rat poison, literally sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys know way more about drugs than I do. I didn't know. Welcome to America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a way to no, make more so, money, right? Because then you have twice mm-hmm. as much drug yeah, because it, yeah. half of the drug is actually like garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Or baby you take one or pure you brick use. of heroin, cut it in half, mix it with garbage, then you have two brick of heroin. Like, <laughs> this is also kind of how like they tried to get us to stay away from weed was like mm-hmm. it could also be laced with something too kind right. of thing. Yeah. And it's, usually you know. PCP. Usually they were like, there's gonna yeah. be like angel yeah. dust in that weed. I'm like no yeah. one has the right. money for this. That's what you realize <laughs> yeah. as like, an that adult. Would make it more expensive. Yeah. That yeah. Would be no cheaper. one's gonna give yes. some snot nosed <laughs> child their very expensive fancy weed. Like they're gonna save that for themselves. Like <laughs> exactly. Have any of you taken PCP? No, but it sounds yeah. scary. <laughs> it does sound terrifying yeah. based on what all the drug conversations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the school mm-hmm. gave me yes. uh, made it like. In the the caveat that I was going to bring up was that after she heals him of his wounds with a kiss, um, he has a nice snooze and he wakes up and he finds a cigarette has burned out beside him that's indicating that time has passed. Mm-hmm. And he looks over and sees that there's a little arrow in it. And it's the same little arrow he saw in a cigarette that was thrown out of a car window earlier on that had terrified Emily. And then he makes the connection that perhaps... Laura has organized. So he goes to the meeting between Tug That's and Pin. Yes. Not quite when he makes that realization. It's when Tug later tells him, I don't smoke cigarettes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's connected to the two. So that's why yeah. he asked Tug for a cigarette. Yeah. Um, and he says to Tug, uh, do you have a cigarette? He says, I don't smoke. And he's like, I've seen you smoking. Assuming yeah. that means he smokes PCP. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yes. That was the next logical drug. Thing. I don't know. Not really okay with all of these drug terminology. Um, and then we get to our denouement, which is, a tense scene down in the basement. Uh, Brendan is volunteering to take the drugs so that they know that there's one brick left. Turns out somebody had taken that brick. So one had already gone missing. There was one left, which the kingpin was planning to sell. And now it's gone missing too, which leads to basically a big fight out. Tug kills the pin. Brendan has a gun in his hand and then just drops it and kicks it back into the room, leaving his DNA and fingerprints all over it. But this is, of course, not a problem in 2005 because the movie is set in 1935, (laughs) um, apparently. Um, And then that leads to the end of the movie, which is Brendan has figured out that Laura is the kingpin behind all of this or the femme fatale is leading it. And he has a meeting with her on the football pitch and he says to her, listen, I know and I've told assistant vice principal (laughs) to go search your locker the highest authority in the land (laughs) he's obviously the big bad guy and or the big boss and we see him opening the locker and finding the drugs and then at that point we have laura tell him that when emily died she was pregnant and she was three months pregnant that the father of the child would be brendan and that's she, didn't where the love, movie... she didn't love the father yeah she also said that she yeah. yeah that she was not sure to do because she didn't the father and it also I explains why that. tug killed her because tug was angry because he thought that she had you know done something with the drugs and then she told him that it was his baby and yeah. he snapped as tug would you know he's a thug that's what tug did and she should yeah 
And the dode yeah. also thought it was his baby, or as mm-hmm. was it Laura who said, "It's a pretty. It was a pretty crowded field in there at the end." It it was Kara who said that. that. That's right. Yes, absolutely wild. The the drama mistress stroke. I'm not sure what she is, but she's class. She's my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm in the Nora par- Parlance. What is her character? Because she's not quite the femme fatale. That's Laura. She's right. sort of like. A red herring? The, I think she's meant to like be a the red wise, She's kind yeah. of like the wise hooker, honestly. Yeah. You know? yeah. That, she is very much that. That's what I was thinking. Like, it's not quite her, but they definitely lean so towards she that she direction She always has, like, a boy toy with her who's, like, doing yeah. something yes. for her, and mm-hmm. she has to, like, get sent away. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Brendan <laughs> thinks that she was the person who put the dode up to everything, uh, but it wasn't. It was Laura. We find yes. that. Yeah, she's yeah. Yeah, yeah, just dealing with her little brothel slash play rehearsal that's always happening. <laughs> now, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, a couple of things that we didn't really mention is number one, the dialogue is very funny, very well written. But as a first time watcher, how are you supposed to figure out what they're talking about for the first twenty five minutes? I'm telling you, that's. Why I think I was actually able to pay attention this second successful viewing of it <laughs> was that one, I knew I had to watch it for this podcast, so I had a reason. Two, I was watching it and I had subtitles on. And I literally yes, had to be like reading helps, the subtitles. Yeah. yeah, because I was like, what are you saying? Sometimes just even understanding the words that were coming out of their mouths was very confusing. And then being like, okay, yeah, they were very mumbly. And they were using this weird noir patter. And I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> right. So, so the police are bulls. They're mm-hmm. talking about heat coming down. They're, it's a bunch of just weird. Yeah. I think he kept calling people yegs. And I was like, what do you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I still don't know what that means. Yeah. Oh, no. Ryan, tell us, please. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't watch words. it with the. Uh, I didn't watch it with the subtitles on <laughs> he was calling people yeggs i think Something so like, like y-e-g-g-s I yeah so. and then they're also so that's combined <laughs> with the fact that then there's the stuff that's like part of the mystery right like there's the terminology about like the brick and the pin and blah 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 the stuff that is supposed to be incomprehensible and it's also incomprehensible to brendan at the time and he has to learn what it means mm-hmm. but the fact that they combine that with other things that are that is also incomprehensible to the viewer just makes it very hard to follow what are we are supposed to know what it what it means and what we are not supposed to know what it means yet yeah especially since it starts from the very beginning yeah like the first lines of dialogue in the movie are in this 1950s speech patterns and dropping in weird references and no explanation as to what they are like it would have been it's i was gonna say it's almost hand-holding you but sometimes a movie would require a character to actually sit there and go i'm sorry what was that Mm-hmm. Like right. so that they can just be your audience surrogate to sit there and go. Now maybe explain this to us. There wasn't really an audience surrogate in this movie, not at all. No. Yeah, and that did make it more opaque and a little mm-hmm. more confusing. So Merriam Webster says that a yeg is a safe cracker, also a robber. Oh. So if he's talking about people like I guess moving drugs or something, he would be right. like, "These are bad people," you know, yegs. I don't know. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Maria. <laughs> yep. Thank- Good old dictionary. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I what I realized also at the very end of this movie was that I confused it being titled brick 
with the Ben Folds 5 song, Brick, Brick yeah. which <laughs> is about a teenage abortion, which is why I was oh, so Jesus. confused. Yeah, like that's what that song is about. Is I think it might even be based on the real story of Ben Fold's uh, girlfriend when they were younger having an abortion because she's a brick and I'm drawing it. Yeah, yeah. Like they were t- too young to have a child and she didn't want to. So on Christmas day. Yeah. <laughs> very, it's a very, very sad thing. And so when someone asked like, Oh, have you seen brick? I was like, I've heard. <laughs> I've heard it. Cause that song's from like the late mid to late nineties, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't understand. And they're like, no, it's a movie. I'm like, they made a movie about that? Like, <laughs> I was so confused. Oh. And, Do you know what? Yeah. I bet they did, and it's a lifetime movie. It has oh, to be. Probably. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It, definitely. It's, it's title is probably, she was a cheerleader. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the cheerleader's brick. <laughs> so... God. What did everybody think about this movie's uh, <laughs> depiction of female characters? Because my thought on that was, oof, dude, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I immediately went, oh, we fridging. Oh, we what? fridging hard. Why are we making me watch a fridging movie? And then I was like, oh, I do like, you know, new uh, detective movies and noir stuff, but we're fridging. Like not even trying. Oh, from I mean, from women. jump, there's a dead body of a woman. Yeah. I'm like, cool. Yeah, great. Yeah. Love to start my day off with this. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, oh, she's a druggie. Oh, so no character development. Got it. I don't okay. Think any of the women had any character development. So nope. like, she's just dead. Laura, mm-hmm. like, she's just mean, I guess, and that's her personality. Sim fatale. And yeah. Kara's personality is kind of also that she's mean. Yeah. But yeah. also kind of a slut. Yeah. <laughs> and also, all three of them are his exes now, I guess. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, this movie really was just about women in relationship to to Brendan. Right. <laughs> the various ways they've yes. made his life very yes. difficult. Sometimes right. by dying, sometimes by doing a murder, you know. Dying, not dying, women are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> what won't we do to ruin a man's life? <laughs> I feel like if Ryan Johnson hadn't become who he is now, this would be like one of those, a good cult classic, is it supposed to be funny? I don't know, but we're going to go see it at midnight and drink while we do it kind of movies. But it is a good showing of, oh, thank God, dude, you improved mm-hmm. and yeah. developed characters. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. so I just looked up Ryan Johnson out of curiosity. And yeah, I mean, so Brick came out when he was 32 years old. Okay, so fairly you know. young. That's even older than the pin. Yeah. <laughs> Ancient. Seriously, he's but a But I will say, you know, that's, that's relatively young. It's younger than I am. Yeah. And I genuinely think he has grown and changed as a person. And also, he is from my hometown, which I remember <laughs> if I knew. He's from Silver Spring, Maryland. <laughs> Shout out, Ryan. Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> we should get to giving our final thoughts on me. So... Um, I'm not sure how not sure how Darren would usually do this, but I will say it like this here. So, in your opinion, and we'll go from Megan to Amber to Sarah, would you say that with the movie Brick, Ryan Johnson ruined film noir in exactly the same way he ruined the Star Wars franchise with the movie The Last Jedi? So, oh. Megan Griffin, did Ryan Johnson ruin film noir in exactly the same way he ruined the Star Wars franchise with The Last Jedi? No, he did not. Yes, he did, because he ruined neither. Ooh, ooh, some tricky grammar there from Megan. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, oh boy. No, I feel like... (laughs) 
<laughs> Ryan Johnson ruined well, film noir sure. in much the same way as he ruined the Star Wars franchise. I will say with the Last Jedi. For you can't ruin for me something I already hated. That would be like giving me a plate of liver and then being like, also it's poison. Like, well, I wasn't gonna eat it anyway. Like, that's not. Gonna Why happen. did you hate film noir? It's just, I told you, it's just the pattern. Something about it just is not. It's not for me. It's not my genre. But I really enjoyed the Last Jedi. That's probably my favorite of the new trilogy. So I, like Sarah, I saw a real improvement <laughs> in what Ryan did, and was like, "Thank God!" Like using characters for like actual purposes, having character development, mm-hmm. treating yeah, just I enjoyed the Last Jedi way more than I thought I would because I also have terrifying scarring memories of going to see the prequels as a child and being like no (laughs) what happened and i wasn't even around for original star wars like that's how thoroughly (laughs) i disliked the prequels i was like it ruined it but no i i think if i enjoyed film noir maybe i would have been upset with this movie but as it is i'm just like haha look at joseph gordon levitt isn't he hilarious (laughs) and sarah same question so i'm trying to figure out the grammar here no because he didn't ruin star wars with the last jedi because the last jedi is excellent but he did ruin war with this movie ruin is an exaggeration (laughs) but i have liked some noir this like it just it was just too unintentionally funny i think yeah i I think think that's why i loved it it wasn't helped by the fact that the early 2000s was a very odd time for technology And so it made sense that, like, maybe one person in that movie had a cell phone. You know, I don't think... I I had a cell phone when I went away to college in 2004, Mm -hmm. but that was, like, you know, one of the first times I had one. And it was kind of expensive and, like, you know, a special sort of thing. So it made sense that a high schooler wouldn't have it yet, that they wouldn't be ubiquitous like they are today. But it was also just very dumb to see people, like, using (laughs) payphones. I don't know. (laughs) There's something about it. You're like, this doesn't make sense. There's no other computers that they're using. Like, the technology was just very odd. And that combined with the clothes not being quite right. You know, it's like the a, an adult's idea of what teenagers like to wear. Like, Laura had that weird, like, feather pin in her hair. I was like, I don't understand Which what's going cool, on. Which is cool, but also <laughs> no one in high school was dressing like exactly. that. Exactly. As an adult, cool. As a teenager, you'd be like, what's wrong with her? Like, Yeah, yeah her character could best be described as manic pixie femme fatale. Mm, yes. That's good, like, yeah. Because everything she yeah. does up until the point where we get the, the reveal of who she actually was, she's manic pixie dream girl. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. She doesn't seem to have an internal narrative. Everything is, but Brendan, I've always liked. I'm gonna have nightmares about that you. scene of her just reciting that poem to the piano noises. <laughs> <laughs> and just, I think once again, if this was actually a magnet high school for drama, that makes total sense. Mm. That at her party, that's what would be happening, yeah. and everyone oh, would yeah. be gathered around watching because that's what the drama kids did. But if yeah. you're just saying, no, this is a regular high school. Wild, wild nonsense. <laughs> it's a magnet high school for drama, and it's also really underfunded, and nobody wants to attend, which is mm-hmm. why at this school it has like a lot of physical space, but 12 students. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Brad Gramish is the only footballer the who only also football can't man. make the team. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. That's his tragedy. Brad Gramish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> th- he's because the only time we, uh, the only thing we see him talking about is how he doesn't get the team. I'm more leaning towards the fact that he wasn't a star athlete. He was actually just rehearsing the same lines for his part oh, in the imaginary yes. play. That makes yeah. perfect Brad sense. Brad Bramish. You've solved it. So does that it mean because... that his name is not actually Brad Bramish? <gasps> well, oh, I hope so. <laughs> it's funny enough. His name is actually Rose Teagle from the movie <laughs> The Last Jedi, which Brilliant. I find a lot of similarities between the movie Brick and the movie The Last Jedi. For example, that whole scene in Cantabite um, is very much like the party in so much as I didn't believe it at all. Uh <laughs> I'm joking, just for the right guys. I love The Jesus. Last Jedi. Right, I think right. it's one of the best Star Wars <laughs> right, movies. In fact, I think it might be in the top three Star Wars okay. because it's definitely right. not better than Rogue One and it's not better than Perfect Spectacle. I, I think it's really better than all the rest of them. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a great movie. Um, and if anything was going to ruin Star Wars, it's the rise of Skywalker. Oh, God. Oh, God. Let's not it. even bring up yeah. that. Yeah, that movie um, is dead to me. Yeah. yeah. This is the second time I saw the movie and I, I kind of loved it. Um, it's absolute nonsense <laughs> from start to finish. You do have to watch it twice to appreciate it. And any movie that's asking me to watch it twice is asking too much. of. I'm glad that I did. And I'm glad that we got to talk with it or talk about it. But, you know, don't make your movie so indecipherable that people mm-hmm. feel yeah. like they are lost. Because that's what ter- gets people. Like, there's a reason why people have said, oh, I got about 25 minutes into this. Yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. two hours long. It's, it's almost so two hours. It's a very long movie. Yeah. Yes. I think that they made it in black and white and had put everybody in like 1930s mm. clothes, but it is very clearly present day. It The bit would have been understood easier. That's yeah. yeah. Even just black and white would have pushed yeah. it more towards this yeah. is an affectation that we're doing rather than mm-hmm. like, it seemed like these kids were playing at something yes. rather than this yeah. is just yeah. the world they inhabit. When Sarah asked me that I think it was a joke that it was set in high school, I, I put forward the, the hypothesis that it wasn't a joke. He wanted to make a film noir and was only given the green light to make a that's high school right. drama. And that's what I thought might have happened. But having gone and did a little bit of research, not that I like to do too much research podcast, I leave that up to If Decker. Um, <laughs> I went to ryanjohnson.com um, and you can find the original novella he wrote uh, for this um, and yeah, which cle- which explains things a little bit clearer than mm. it was supposed to be an homage this. of teen movies and of noir movies mashed together right and it doesn't quite do either well no. yeah I think- and i think go ahead sarah I-, I think that's what it is for me is that i i didn't actually hate this movie i just i think i like this movie only insofar as i just decided in my head that it's a comedy but i don't think it's supposed to be <laughs> yes. a comedy yeah. So that's I, the thing yeah, <laughs> so I, yeah. I assumed yes because knives out has such funny moments yeah that i was mm-hmm. like of course this is something he's done his entire career but you're right i don't know maybe he did watch this and go oh oh i get my my whole spiel now right. and that's how we got knives out yeah. i right. think that having seen knives out and last jedi and have i seen i'm i'm now blanking on what, any other i haven't Looper seen looper okay but and I've heard that it's good. I just haven't seen it yet. Um, knowing that this is his first movie, it so much makes sense that it's first movie, yeah. 
first movie like almost right out of college or he wrote it like you know Mm -hmm. towards the end of college and being like okay this is how you progress as a filmmaker this isn't a a Quentin Tarantino to slam someone (laughs) else entirely where he's like this is my thing this is what I do all the time and you just keep repeating that over and over Mm -hmm. he's like this is what I want to do and then he made it and he's like okay that didn't quite work and then he yeah. perfected it. And then we have the beautiful brilliance that his knives out to thank for that. Yes. You know, this is seeing a filmmaker progress in their career. And that's what I think makes it a good movie in the end. Mm-hmm. Like, you can kind of make of it what you will. Like, I think we all agree. It's a comedy. <laughs> Does Ryan think it's a comedy? Yeah. Who's, who's to say? Probably not. But you see how he's progressed and you're like, okay, I can enjoy it for those reasons. Mm-hmm. Would I watch it again? No. <laughs> no. I might, I might watch it again. Um, just you mentioned Looper there, and uh, the best thing about Looper is Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing a pitch-perfect Bruce Willis impression. Ooh, okay, then yeah, I will watch yes, that. Yes, and the weird prosthetics <laughs> that they put on, like that they put on him His to make nose. him look more like Bruce Willis, it's hilarious. Since we're about to finish up, um, we all agreed we enjoyed the movie, even though three of us thought it was comedy, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm not certain it wasn't. Um, <laughs> But I think maybe we could give a recommendation for another movie to watch. So I'm going to start and say that if you're going to watch a high school movie featuring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, that you should watch 10 Things I Hate About You, which is a movie Ooh. I absolutely adore. And I I was going to say it's also an underrated movie, but I don't think 10 Things I Hate About You is underrated. I think everybody who watches loves it at this stage. So yeah, yes. watch 10 Things I Hate About You. It's got great performances all around, uh, including one from Heat Ledger, young handsome heat uh i'm going to recommend fear street trilogy and the reason that i'm doing this uh is because it one it's done by women and the female characters in the movie are outstanding two there are a lot of genre tropes that they both use in the 1970s and also like and kind of subvert them in the other two movies that i think are wonderful and are just going to be so much fun to discuss and um three there are druggies in this that like you fall in love with so they're not the terrible characters in horror movies so i'm gonna go recommend that yeah fear street uh trilogy is so much better than it has any right to be so agree like it's I, I sat down to watch the first one um, because we had talked about the books on mm-hmm. Megan's podcast. It's just like they're, they're really, really good. So if either of the other, the other two hosts haven't watched them yet, they're on Netflix. 100% if you like horror recommend. Movies, yeah, I'm yes. excited to watch That's it. That's what I've way. heard. Maybe I'll I'm, I'm a bit, yeah, I'm a big baby, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll check I will say tonight. that the third one's a little intense at parts. Mm-hmm. I like to the point we actually had to pause because we were like, this is hitting a lot oh, of buttons boy. for us. <laughs> But it's not, it's slasher film scary, not supernatural, demonic scary. I don't know if that helps. Depends. If it's like, you know, Jason is a slasher, but I don't believe that he is waiting outside for me. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Versus like, Scream, something about that is different where it's like. Fair. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a big baby. I'm not great with horror movies. The the Fear Street movies are better than anything that's ever had Jason. Oh. I'll, I'll say that now. I'm 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 not a horror movie person. I'm not a horror book person. Uh, and I love them from start to finish. Like genuinely, yeah. Sat there and watched them, and there were stuff that happened in them that shocked me. And I'm always that person who's sitting there go, I know what's happening. 
oh no, like it was so much fun to spend because we would be like, this is exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then at one point we're like, oh yeah, this is what's going to happen. And then two <laughs> seconds before what actually happens, I was like, oh, that's what's happening. It's really great. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. That last bit just uh, really wrecked our uh, record of not swearing on this podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Megan, why are you swearing all the time? Is it the drugs you're on? Because Obviously. you hate Darren, I think. You just want him to suffer. I'm so sorry. I don't. If it's any consolation, I'll be editing this and amplifying all of those words. Amber, <laughs> do you have a movie you'd like to recommend? I have an anime series I'd like to recommend, which is the 1998 series Cowboy Bebop, which according to the, yes. in- the impeachable source Wikipedia was uh, an inspiration that Ryan had for visualization in Brick. Uh, I love Cowboy Bebop. It's one of my favorite animes of all time. I watched it on a series of VHS tapes given to me by other anime nerds in high school. It was on the Toonami, I believe, which was like a late night Cartoon Network anime (laughs) show. But it's like spaghetti western in space, and it has sort of the opposite arc that Brick does, where it starts out very kind of funny and silly and becomes much more serious throughout the rest of the series. And I just, it's gorgeous, it's funny, it's sad, it's moving. The music is outstanding. I just still love to listen to Yoko Kano's uh, scores and her original songs and various things for Cowboy Bebop. It's wonderful 100 percent. yeah and i'll second that recommendation as well uh and i also went through the videotapes as a, <laughs> a, a young kid getting them passed out in ireland where the company who distributed them over here were called manga and then i spent the next 10 years thinking all anime was called manga <laughs> oh no until you meet people who know what they're talking about and they look at you like you're a fool and you're like no no i love manga i was watching crying freeman you were watching manga how dare you <laughs> Anyway, oh, uh, Sarah, uh, obviously you're going to recommend Assassin's Creed, which was your favorite movie. But, um, <laughs> How dare you? It didn't make you angry at all. <laughs> so I'm actually going to recommend a book because all of the uh, TV shows Private and School movies Girl that I've here watched recommended a book. <laughs> recently have been for the podcast and I hate all of them. Um, oh no. <laughs> um, so I'm going to recommend, inspired by both uh, Megan's horror recommendation and the fact that in some ways, like Brick, it has a central character who was at times you kind of think maybe a kind of questionably reliable figure i'm going to recommend the final girl support group by grady hendrix which <laughs> i just finished that oh it's so good i read the entire <laughs> book like in a day because i was traveling and so and like on planes and so i just like kept going and uh so good Ooh, so that's excellent. my recommendation if you want to read a book about an unreliable female character, I recommend Pride and Prejudice. Um, Elizabeth <laughs> you Bennett. Jane Austen. Come on. Come on, Jeez. Libby. Get yourself. Get your head in the game. Um, <laughs> I just recommend Pride and Prejudice. It's great. Uh, guys, where can the listeners find you? Uh, you can find me anywhere on the internet at Meg Griffin with three G's in the middle uh, or on my podcast, Judging Book Covers and Mindset Year. You can locate me on Twitter at A-M-B-R-R-R, where mostly I'm tweeting at Ryan Johnson, trying to get him to put me in Knives Out too, since everybody else is in it, and I find it very hurtful. He has not emailed me yet about it. Uh, (laughs) And I'm also on just various podcasts. I guess Google my name. (laughs) And you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Sarah Itch Decker. 
and also on my podcast, Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast. Excellent. Uh, I recommend Sarah's podcast and Megan's podcast. In particular, if you search their uh, their podcast and my name, Oliver Brady, <laughs> you will probably find me in several places. Uh, I'm much nicer on Sarah's podcast than I am on Megan's, is, where I am true. a complete a-hole to, to Megan every single time I'm on but I do it out of love and not jealousy um, uh, if you want to find me in other places if you look up Darren's new podcast T. Hanks for the memory um, which is going through the filmography of, of Tom Hanks you'll find me on the big episodes and by the time this comes out maybe the You've Got Mail episode as well I think Megan you're on that as well I am yeah Yeah. Uh, hopefully you have the same thoughts I have on You've Got Mail which is what a creep. No way they should end up together. <laughs> no, I, no joke. That is my favorite romance trope. And there is an amazing book called Dating by the Book that plays into that. None of this is important for this podcast. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, at the end of the day, Brick was a very good movie. It just, it loses the audience uh, along in a couple of places, but it, I would recommend it. The other three hosts did too. Give so. it a shot. Yeah, Turn it. on those subtitles. Yes. <laughs> With that Embrace mind, your inner let's world. all say... A great big <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. 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 Driving back to her.